of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Hello and welcome to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Great to be with you today and thank you for joining me in this journey through the book of Psalms. We are once again in book two. Again, the Psalter, the original Psalter is divided into four or into five books. And here we are in the second book and that brings us today to Psalm 59. Uh, Psalm 59, it is a Psalm of David. It is an earnest plea to be delivered from his enemies, and it is titled uh, to the choir master according to do not destroy. Again, if you see that, um, if you remember in Psalm 58, um, I believe in Psalm uh, 57 as well. Yeah, Psalm 57 and 58, the title said or referenced do not destroy. That was some sort of musical instruction, perhaps a tune. Um. And this is a mitcom of David, and it says, When Saul sent men to watch his house in order to kill him. So this psalm obviously comes from the period before David became king. Uh, Saul set a watch over David's house, hoping to kill him. Uh, The account of this you can read in 1 Samuel 19, uh, verses 11, 11 through 17. David's wife, Michal, the daughter of Saul helped him escape. Uh, and so so she was loyal, obviously, to her husband, uh, more loyal to her husband than to her father, which, you know, her father was uh, uh, sinning by doing this, trying to kill David. It was an unjust um, pursuit that he was, try- he was uh, trying, trying to kill David. And, and so David's wife helped him escape. And so... This psalm is an earnest plea to God. And as I read this psalm and looked at this this week, it was a reminder to me of how honest the psalms are. When you read the book of Psalms, uh, these are prayers. Often they are prayers to God, and they are very honest. And how often I wish our worship songs today would be this honest. Um, You know, we, we might often think of the book of Psalms as, uh, just this, these happy praises to God. Uh, in other words, God, we praise you because things are good, but that is often not the case in the book of Psalms. Um, there are various types of Psalms. As I've mentioned before, there are even cursing Psalms, imprecatory Psalms, where the psalmist curses the enemy, his enemies. And so uh, the book of Psalms is very honest, and we can be honest with God as the Psalms are. The Psalms are a model for how we should pray and how we should worship. And so Psalm 59 is one of those Psalms. Let me read this for you. Psalm 59, beginning in verse 1. Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who work evil. And save me from bloodthirsty men. For behold, they lie in wait for my life. Fierce men stir up strife against me. For no, con- no transgression or sin of mine, O Lord, for no fault of mine, they run and make ready. 
Awake, come to meet me and see. You, Lord God of hosts, are God of Israel. Rouse yourself to punish all the nations. Spare none of those who treacherously plot evil. Each evening they come back howling like dogs and prowling about the city. There they are, bellowing with their mouths, with swords in their lips. For who, they think, will hear us? But you, O Lord, laugh at them. You hold all the nations in derision. O my strength, I will watch for you. For you, O God, are my fortress. My God, in his steadfast love, will meet me. God will let me look in triumph on my enemies. Kill them not, lest my people forget. Make them totter by your power and bring them down. O Lord, our shield, for the sin of their mouths, the words of their lips, let them be trapped in their pride. For the cursing and lies that they utter, consume them in wrath. Consume them till they are no more, that they may know that God rules over Jacob to the ends of the earth. Each evening they come back howling like dogs and prowling about the city. They wander about for food and growl if they do not get their fill. But I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. O my strength, I will sing praises to you. For you, O God, are my fortress, the God who shows me steadfast love. I will go ahead and let you know that I have already set a portion of this to music uh, years ago, maybe a decade ago, maybe even a little longer than that. I think 2011, somewhere around there. Um, uh, these last verses of Psalm 59, uh, I will sing of your strength. You've been to me a fortress and a refuge. Oh, my strength, I will sing praise to you. I set that portion of this psalm to music already. Um However, I did not utilize that in this musical setting. As I have done before in some of these psalms already through this project, uh, I have utilized some of my previous settings, um, and I'll probably do that for some of the songs coming up, but I did not do that here. I set the entire psalm to uh, a new tune, new hymnic uh, setting. So let's get into this and dig into Psalm 59. Uh, the first thing that stands out to me here is David's plea where he says, deliver me from my enemies. You know exactly what the psalm is going to be. Um, you know the trajectory of the psalm from the very first verse. Deliver me from my enemies. And then David discusses these enemies and he says that they, in verse 3, that they lie in wait for my life. And he says, it is for no transgression or sin of mine. In other words, they do this for no reason. So the psalmist is not saying that he is without sin. That is not what David is saying. We know that from other psalms that he has written that he realizes he is a sinful person. But here he is asserting that the enemy has no cause against him. There is no reason for them to pursue him like this. And this was true of the original situation where David had committed no aggression against Saul. And you can, you can reference this, we've already discussed this, but you can see this in Psalm 26. This is another uh, psalm where David's, David references this, point, this, this fact that he had done nothing to cause this, but yet they pursued him and sought his life. And then in verse 5, 
Well, just before verse five, he says, awake, come to meet me and see. Now, this is obviously we've gone over. I've gone over this before. Um, Psalmists will often say, arise, O God, or awake. It is not as if God sleeps and they know this. They realize this. David understood, and even in this case, that God does not sleep. But what he is saying is he's giving an earnest plea and a cry of his heart. That's why I said the Psalms are honest. David is being honest and saying, God, it's as if you're asleep right now. Where are you? I do not see the evidence that you're acting on my behalf. He says, awake, come to meet me and see you, Lord God of hosts. This is a divine title. Lord God of hosts, and it indicates that God has heavenly armies at his command. And so David realizes that and understands that, and he knows God can, and he will help him. And then he says, rouse yourself to punish all the nations. Spare none of those who treacherously plot evil. These enemies come from the nations outside of Israel, but also from within So David gives a broad sweeping statement here. Anybody that plots evil, take care of them, God. Verse 6, each evening they come back howling like dogs. In other words, the enemies are like a pack of dogs that roam the streets of the city and make them unsafe. Now, dogs in this situation, okay, I have two dogs, Gandalf and Piper, and I love my dogs. They are my babies. One of them is looking at me right now because he heard me say his name. (laughs) He was sleeping, and as I said his name just now, his head popped up and he looked at me. (laughs) Um, these These are my babies, and many of us know what it is like to have a pet dog. They are loyal. They're loving. They're your friend. They're your best friend. They would laugh with you. They would cry with you if you could. So we love dogs. But in this situation, dogs were not valued. In, in, in the ancient Middle East, dogs were considered dirty. They were not uh, your family pet, if you will. They didn't sleep in their bed. Now, some of you might think that's a little weird. My dogs sleep in my bed, but whatever. I don't care. You can think that's weird if you want. Um, but in this situation, in, in the ancient Middle East, Dogs were not valued like we may value them today. Okay, these were dirty creatures. Nobody wanted them. And so you can imagine with any dogs that were running around the city, uh, people often would probably try to kill them. They, they, they were pests. They, they didn't want them. They were unwanted and unvalued. And so uh, David is not saying that they're like a pack of sweet, cute little dogs. <laughs> He's saying that they are, uh, they're like a, a pack of dogs that roam the streets in the city and they are dangerous. In other words, stay away from them and get rid of them. That's what he is saying about these, these people, his enemies. Verse 7. There they are bellowing with their mouths, with swords in their lips, for they think, who will hear us? Um, we haven't gotten to Psalm 50, uh, 64 yet, uh, but there's a similar situation in Psalm 64. Uh, in verse 5, uh, the psalmist here, uh, is David again, he says, 
They hold fast to their evil purpose. They talk of laying snares secretly, thinking who can see them. In other words, they don't fear men, and by their question, you know, who can see them, they don't fear God. They think their acts go unnoticed, and they forget that there's a just God in heaven who watches everything they do. And now this type of thought is not far off from what many of us may do today. How many of us have sinned or committed some sort of act in secret And yeah, we've heard all of our lives, well, God is watching you, and we may deep down know that, (laughs) but we don't realize it really in our hearts. We don't internalize it. We often go through the day or the week or the year thinking, you know what, I committed that sin, and I may get away with this. And that's the type of mindset that these people have here. In verse 7, they think, who will hear us? We're not going to get caught. And and when we hear that, well, God is watching you, I think we need to take that seriously, more seriously than most of us do. And some of us know from experience that while that is true, that yes, God does see you, he sees us in such a way that if we're his people, he will not let us continue in sin. And I myself have experienced that. Where even though Other people may not see what we do. They may not hear what we do. They may not know the sins that we commit. If we continue in that rebellion, unrepentant, God will discipline us. He will not let that continue. And so don't let this thought that, well, God sees you, don't let that be just a childish thought that, you know, something you say to a little kid, well, God will see you. Nobody else may see you, but God sees you. Some sort of meaningless threat. That's not what it is. It is true, 100% factual that yes, God sees us and he won't let us get away with it. And so David understands here that these enemies of his will not get away with their sin and and the wrong that they are committing. In verse 10, my God and his steadfast love will meet me. Uh, Some translations may say, the God who shows me steadfast love will meet me. In other words, God will lead the way in the fight against the enemy. And in in the time of Joshua, the ark was symbolic of God's presence. And it led Israel into the promised land. And so David here understands that God and his steadfast love will lead him. And he says, God will let me look in triumph on my enemies for now. The enemy gloats over David, but he expects and understands that there will be a reversal of this. Then in verse 11, kill them not, lest my people forget. So the psalmist here, this is kind of a harsh, as I mentioned earlier, the Psalms are very honest. (laughs) This is kind of a harsh prayer, but David here desires to prolong the suffering of his enemy. In other words, Don't just kill them. Make it slow. Make them suffer. (laughs) Can can you be more honest than that? This will make them an example to the rest of Israel that evil does not pay. Again, I'm looking at this psalm just thinking, you know, maybe we think we can't relate to this because David was a king. This is before he was king, but he's dealing with enemies that are literally trying to take his life. And so we may think we can't 
We don't know anything about this. We can't relate to him. But there is so much about this psalm that we can under we can understand. I mean, for example, we can even relate to his enemies. As I mentioned earlier, thinking that God, that no one sees what we do, but God does and he won't let it go unpunished. And then here when he says, kill them not, lest my people forget. That's an honest prayer. How often have we felt like that? How often have we been betrayed and felt like that and perhaps even wanted to say, God, <laughs> bring your wrath upon them. And, and it, when you read the Psalms, there is nothing wrong with praying for God's wrath to be poured out on enemies. However, it must be done with the right foundation. It must be done with the right heart. It can't be a matter of, I just want this person to suffer. No, it has to be rooted and born out of a desire for God's justice. Verse 12, for the sin of their mouths, the words of their lips, let them be trapped in their pride. Words are powerful and they could bring either a blessing or tremendous harm. We see this in the book of James, the sin of their mouths. Verse 13, consume them till they are no more, that they may know that God rules over Jacob. Uh, often the term Jacob is used instead of Israel. It's the same thing. Words are powerful. These people are enemies of David. They are enemies of God. And so David says, so here, here's where you know David's heart was. He is not just crying out that these people would be punished. And he's not just saying, let them suffer just because that's what he wants. But look at this in verse 13. Consume them till they are no more, that they may know that God rules over Jacob. So his desire is not just to punish the enemy, but so that everyone will know that God reigns. The ultimate goal of the destruction of the enemy is that the glory of God's justice may be seen. So there is nothing wrong with an honest prayer like this, but we must make sure that our prayers and our pleas are rooted in a desire for God's justice, for his glory to be revealed. I hope this has been a blessing to you as uh, you hear this musical setting. It is a slower, uh, sort of uh, somber musical setting um, and rooted, born out of, the content of this prayer in Psalm 59. So here is Psalm 59 set to music. Thank you for listening today to the Active Worship Podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones.